everyone, welcome back to another episode of Hate Read. I'm Anna. And I'm Em. Every fortnight here on Hate Read, one of us challenges the other to read a book that we think they'll hate. This fortnight, I challenged Anna to read Handbook for Mortals by Lanny <laughs> Sarum. It's like Annie with an L. Yes. Um, <laughs> usually, what we do Which first. She says in the foreword. Well, the other author. <laughs> who writes the foreword for this first edition of a book that people definitely didn't hear for. Okay, okay, okay. We're going to get into We're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay. Usually the first thing that we do on this podcast is we ask if the other person finished the book, but we wanted this uh, episode to talk a little bit about why we selected this book and kind of what the story is behind this book, because it is... A wild ride, <laughs> to say in the least. So we're going to, well, I'm going to try to tell you guys what the deal was with this book um, as non-judgmentally as I possibly can. Um, so, <laughs> the date. Good luck. August 24th, 2017. <laughs> An unknown book by a debut author from a first-time publisher unseats The Hate You Give, the critically acclaimed novel by Angie Thomas, which has been topping the New York Times YA bestseller list for the last 25 weeks, and the internet loses its collective shit. (laughs) Uh, The publisher is Geek Nation, a mid-tier fan site started by Claire Kramer, an actress best known for playing Glory on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and her producer oh. husband. Yeah. Yeah. I did so not know that. We're bringing Buffy into this. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even look into Geek Nation at all. <laughs> the book is Handbook for Mortals. And it is apparently at the time of publication already in talks to be made into a movie with actor Thomas Ian Nicholas uh, attached as a supporting actor and producer. The author is Lanny Sarum, a former music manager and occasional actress whose cousin happens to be J.C. Chazez of NSYNC fame. Shut up! Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! You gosh. didn't catch that in the uh, acknowledgments, the 800 acknowledgments? I did not the read book? the acknowledgments. Yeah. I was so happy to be done with the book. I was like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so to be fair to this book, there were a lot of industry types involved. It uh, could make sense that this book came out of nowhere and rocketed to success due to smart marketing, using her connections to the music industry and Hollywood uh, to push up hype on social media. However, that's not what happened. Nobody had heard of this book. Nobody in the YA world, I should say, had Mm -hmm. heard of this book before it was published. Nobody received ARCs. There were no book bloggers who covered it. And even the actual marketing of the book on its own website and on Twitter are weirdly sparse. So people get confused. YA Twitter starts digging into it. People claiming to be employed at various bookstores come forward, saying they received calls asking for bulk orders of the book, often with the caller asking specifically if the store reports their sales to the New York Times. Shadesville. Yeah. So a lot of these bulk orders are exactly one. So I guess uh, the New York Times, the way they do their, they compile their bestseller list is they have a bunch of stores that they get reports from and generally they have a line of where they cut off 
orders for it to like so if it's over a certain number it's considered a bulk order and it doesn't count towards the list so a lot of times according to the people who were kind of coming forward the caller specifically ordered like one under whatever the cutoff number was so like for barnes and noble the cutoff number is 30 so they ordered 29 books from barnes and noble so it was still counted as not a bulk order (laughs) so all this comes to light on twitter the new york times starts their own investigation and they eventually send out a retraction removing the book from the bestseller list after having spent only 23 hours at number one dang (laughs) that mystery was solved quickly so since her removal, she has claimed, uh, Lanny Sarum, Lanny, 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 God damn it, I'm Lanny, never going to get Andy, it right. With an out. <laughs> she has claimed that she was unfairly targeted because she is a newcomer and mm. because she didn't like properly court the YA community, essentially. She, she claims that she had never intended the book to be YA, uh-huh. um, which doesn't really makes sense that she didn't know it was going to be YA until the New York Times put it on the YA bestseller list because like there are multiple points before that where it has to be like kind of categorized so even if she didn't intend for it to be YA someone in the publishing side of things had to have intended that you know right so Mm -hmm. it shouldn't have been that big of a surprise to her but she claims it was her explanation is that this book uh, was originally a script for a movie, and the movie came first. So she was planning to make this movie. Uh, She got a bunch of encouragement from uh, fellow writers, from this actor who she knew through her music connections, because he also does uh, music stuff. And they, you know, said, oh, maybe you should do this as, like, a book movie franchise. So she rewrote it as a book. So she says that she and... Uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas, the actor who's also like involved in the production, uh, did buy the book from stores in order to sell the books at conventions because they wanted to make sure the sales counted towards the bestsellers list. And the only way mm-hmm. to do that was to buy them through the bookstores first. Mm-hmm. When people point out that heavy hitter authors like George R. R. Martin and Neil Gaiman don't make the type of sales she's claiming to make at conventions, her explanation is that A, people coming to conventions already own those books, so they wouldn't want to buy a signed copy, which, sure. And B, the appeal of Thomas Ian Nicholas, star of American Pie and Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, is so great that it led to these massive sales. Oh, my God. No. I had completely forgotten he existed until I had read in the article of American Pie fan. I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. Yes. But and also, I guess to be clear, like the number of sales we're talking is like 18,000 books in the first week, which from the article I read said that a normal release like for a podcast favorite James Patterson novel Mm -hmm. for his first week of sales would be around 5,000. Yeah. So it's an absurd amount of books. And I think the difference mm -hmm. between the number of books uh, that it sold during this period and The Hate You Give, which was the book it displaced, was like, again, like 6,000 was the difference between the two. So there's mm-hmm. a huge gap between them. It's a crazy number of books. Mm-hmm. Some convention goers claim that she was actually giving away the books for free at some of these events, but Sarah and Nicholas insists that every book that they bought through their bulk buying strategy was resold to an actual customer. Hmm. However... When looking through the book's official Twitter page, while there are plenty of pictures of people attending events and holding copies of the book, 
Uh, of the 500-some tweets, there are a grand total of four retweeted tweets in which a person who is not Serum or one of the actors involved the project encourages someone to buy the book. And of those, only two claim to have read and enjoyed the book. So if you go nice. through any authors or book, like Twitter, they're retweeting people. That That's like a big part of, you know, modern book marketing is like word of mouth and like that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And that like... There are a lot of reviews online for this book that seem very positive, um, and a lot of them seem very not real. So to me, not trying to get judgy, but to me, I question whether there is anyone on the planet who has read this book and actually enjoyed it, because I have yet to see proof that that has happened. (laughs) It was rough. (laughs) So in addition to all of this, After this went down, it was noted that in her acknowledgement section, Sarum thanked several employees of ResultSource, a company who has a long history of running bulk buy campaigns. Uh, It was confirmed by several sources that ResultSource did place orders for the book. And when Sarum was confronted with this, she admitted that she did have outside help bulk buying the books, but she cannot give any more details as she signed an NDA. And she still insists that all of the books purchased through the Bulk Buy campaign were eventually bought by real readers at real Comic-Cons. So 18,000. 18,000 books in the first week. Well, to be fair, okay. they, they had a lot of pre-orders, she says. They were, there were pre-orders at these Comic-Cons that she hmm. had been going to for a year before this book came out. But nobody bothered to contact any reviewers send out any yeah. arcs. Like, if, if you are at all familiar with kind of the publishing industry, it's it, it's a very weird strategy to only sell at Comic-Cons and not try any other form of marketing. <laughs> like, even if you're right. doing well at the Comic-Cons, it's weird that they didn't try any other type of marketing. And I'm looking at, like, the Goodreads page right now, mm-hmm. too, for this book, and... Of the 18,000 books that may or may not have been bought by actual readers, there's only 561 ratings of Mm -hmm. the book at all on Goodreads, which means people have actually taken the time to go on the website and log that they read it and gave it a star rating, and only 279 reviews that were written about the book. And the current average rating is 1.29 out of 5 stars. Yeah, and that's the thing. This book, after all of this went down, it got a lot of hate online because people were kind of justifiably pissed off that someone had bought their way onto the New York Times and had just Mm -hmm. placed this other book that was, you know, like really critically acclaimed. So starting this book, I wanted to approach it with an open mind and see if, you know, if the book was actually like as bad as people said, or if it was, um, you know, just kind of a mediocre book that people were annoyed that it got more Right. attention than it deserved. Um, yeah, because there are sometimes like these brigades that happen on Goodreads where people will go and just like rate an author all of their books terribly because the author said something right. or or acted out towards reviewers in some way. Like there's a lot of drama on right. Goodreads about this stuff. So. <laughs> so like I definitely was trying to keep an open mind going into it. I know you were too. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, we get to our primary question of the episode. Did you finish the book? I did. I did. I didn't think I would. There were several moments where 
I set it down and I was like, I'm never, I'm not going to pick it up. I'm just, I'm not going to finish <laughs> I it. I had quite a few of those too. <laughs> I literally at one point started laughing and crying and couldn't, like at the same time and could not physically continue the book. <laughs> oh my gosh. Please tell me when we get to it. I'll tell you when we get to it. Good point. Yes. Because I, I did, I also laughed aloud at several points. Mm-hmm. Not um, in a good way. Not in a good way. And the, I think the best was the last sentence of the book, which... Uh, yeah. That was okay. a mess. <laughs> was it... Because was it, I, I texted him, and I was like, basically, my text was, LOL, 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 The last sentence of the book is hilarious. <laughs> which, we'll get there when we get there, but it, it was almost worth reading the whole book. Uh, there was... Here's the... That's the thing. As much as I truly hated this book from the depth of my soul. And I think I don't want to get too into personal opinions on Lanny Serum, Lanny Serum, Lanny Serum. Um, Annie, what the hell? <laughs> I don't, I don't admire her. We'll say that. So I am kind of resentful that I gave her money by purchasing this book yeah. because we did both buy the book on Kindle. Um, so, you know, like we didn't, get it for free off the internet or anything. We paid for it. Mm-hmm. But there were a few, just, it's one of those things where I, I'm happy to have read it because now I the have experience. like the context. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm in a special club now. Kind of like with Antigua. Like, yes. I feel like I was in a special club of people who had who read, read it now and suffered. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, with that kind of really promising premise here, let's get into what actually happens in this book. Okay. So if let me. <laughs> yeah, so this review or this summary is uh, kind of split into two halves because the book itself is split into two different. It's like two different types of book to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the two different halves. Yeah. So um, the book, <laughs> the book's main character Zaid, which is short for and okay, so yes. her name is Zaid. Mm-hmm. Isn't it pronounced Shahrazad? Yes. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, her yeah, name and is this, Zaid. This would not have annoyed me as much as it did, because that was one of the points where I texted you, and I was like, <laughs> I am livid. <laughs> because there's... Shahrazade. <laughs> they over-explain everything in this book, and one of yes. the things that they over-explain is names. They tell mm-hmm. you pronunciations, and they tell you, oh, I have this n- nickname because the people on the crew call me this, and da-da-da, it's terrible. Um... <laughs> But she specifically says when she introduces herself that it is Zaid, which rhymes with aid. Yes. Aid with a Z. But she uses aid, the, the aid that she uses to say it rhymes with is A-I-D-E, which was weird to me. Like, why would you, why wouldn't you just say A-I-D? Like, they're, they, yeah. they sound the same. So that was already <laughs> weird. But then later, much later in the book, it's revealed that her full name is Shahrazad Esther, which is a stupid fucking name. But also, <laughs> if, if you're going to be like, my name is pronounced Zaid, like, why would her... It, it should. Does she think that Shahrazad is pronounced Shahrazad? Because that is I, yeah, that's a good despicable. Question. Yes. <laughs> Well, and also the fact that she's, like, named after these two queens, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's discussing her name at great length with one of the love main interests. male love interests. Mac? Mac? No, excuse me. Clark Kent is his real name. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> Mac Clark or Clark Mac Kent. Clark Kent, who goes by Mac because because MacGyver. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so I guess he can like fix anything. So they start calling him MacGyver, which was shortened to Mac, and that's just how he introduces himself. Now. He's Mac. So not to be <laughs> not to be confused with any of the other three letter men in this book, such as oh, Tad or Zeb. Wait, Tim. Tim. Tom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no, the... to be fair, those are members of the band, which is we'll another get to thing we have to talk about. <laughs> uh, so, Jesus but, Christ. She's, <laughs> she's like, book. describing her name to him, and she's like, I always thought that the that it was a romantic story, like Scheherazade and, mm-hmm. uh, oh, I'm totally blanking, the uh, uh, Thousand, Thousand One, One Nights. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Arabian Nights, or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which... If you don't know, is a story about a king who marries a bride and then kills her the night after mm-hmm. so that he can marry a new bride the next day. Mm-hmm. But this woman, Scheherazade, stays alive because she tells him a story and leaves on a cliffhanger every night and lasts for a thousand and one mm-hmm. nights. Um, and then at the end, he's like, oh, I love you now. Yeah. And she was like, I always thought that was such a romantic and sweet story. And I'm just like, mm. honestly, though, here's the thing. I think. Here's the thing. Okay. So the story, the, the like reason the king is killing all of these women mm-hmm. is because his first wife cheated on him. Mm. So I am not surprised that she thinks that a story about a man who was done wrong by a woman and now he just, all these other bitches are so <laughs> mean, but there's one special girl who, you know, saves him from this, this terrible outlook. Like, uh, I'm like, yeah, that, that tracks with yeah, this character. I, I understand now. <laughs> and I mean, the other character, the other woman that she's named after Esther is the same sort of story where it's a woman who is who marries a man and ends up kind of being under threat of death from him but their love Mm -hmm. saves her like because you know it's the biblical story of esther where she's jewish but that's like he is uh told by his advisor to like persecute the jews essentially and then she eventually reveals that she's jewish and he's like oh guess i like jewish people so like again that same sort of idea of like woman who puts herself yeah. in harm's way and ends Love up conquers all. and ends up married to a guy who kind of might have been going to kill her shortly before <laughs> it's super cool guys <laughs> so yeah those are her two namesakes and she's very proud of it mm-hmm. um and also she is a witch who can do magic and read tarot cards mm-hmm. which we don't really see her do a lot of magic we just hear about it yeah like she's like well, and she's apparently so powerful that all men love her and all women hate her. I think this is yes, this is in the yes. book. This is canon. Her Which, magic causes men to love her and women to hate her. This to me was very like anytime this sort of trope because this isn't the only you know book or thing that does that where it's like oh all men love her and all women hate her because mm-hmm. of X Y thing like. As a bisexual person, (laughs) (laughs) I just, I'm like, so are the few women that don't instantly hate her, are we just supposed to read them as gay or like what's going on? Like, oh, that's a good question. I didn't understand. She does have female friends. I mean, she doesn't, but she does have (laughs) females who don't instantly hate her. Females that don't actively hate her. Yeah. So I was just like, what what about gay men? Like, where do they fall in the (laughs) spectrum? Where do they fall? 
No, there's there's only two choices. You're either a man and love her or you're a woman and hate her. Yeah, and I'm just like, okay, well, cool. <laughs> That's how magic works, Em. That's how magic works. <laughs> so, uh, Scheherazade is from a small town Shut in Tennessee. <laughs> Uh, I hate it. (laughs) She's from a small town in Tennessee where she lives with her mom. And she grew up there. And they're kind of outcasts because it's the South. And I guess they don't tell everyone they're witches. But they do tell everyone they're tarot readers. (laughs) Yeah, they do tell everyone they're tarot readers. And they're not to be trusted in Centerville, Tennessee. So Scheherazade gets sick of it. And she moves to Las Vegas. She... (laughs) I could laugh every time I say that. She she gets tired of the small town life and moves to Las Vegas to take part in a magic show Which, what, run by Charles Spellman. What the fuck was the show? What was the show? I, it was one act. It was one illusion, no, apparently. No, it was like, here's the thing, because they introduce it and they're like, oh, you know, there were 200 crew members and to, like tons of performers. Yeah. I'm like... What magic show do you go to that there's, like, a rotating, like, I I didn't understand the setup for it. Yeah, I think it was, like, a variety show. But with Kind of like a circus. Like, a circus would be, but only with performers is kind of how I was imagining it. But it was a lot of people involved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, like, when we actually get a description of the show in the second half of the book, it's like... The, they're like, oh, you're the top of the show, and she does her illusion, and then the show's over. Do they maybe mean <laughs> so top like, of? Because there were a lot of like times when I was like, I just don't think she knows what that word means. Uh-huh. Did they maybe mean like top of the show, like the best you're part? Next? <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe. Like I don't know. I don't know. I didn't understand it. Like <laughs> I mean, she works in show business. Like I don't know. I don't know. I was very confused. <laughs> I was too. It wasn't clear. The nature of the show, nor the length of it, was made clear at any point. Um, but it is run by Charles Spellman, who was a famous magician. Charles along the lines of Spellman. Like, Spellman, get it, guys? Wink. Uh, <laughs> um, who was kind of like a pen and teller sort of guy. I think I he's think. supposed to be David Copperfield. Or yeah, like a David. Yeah. Yeah, because she she references David Copperfield multiple times, and then at the end, mm-hmm. in her acknowledgments, which I read all the way through and there were like eight pages um (laughs) she talks about i think she says like oh to the david david copperfield magic show cast and crew you guys are like a second family to me which to me made Hmm. it seem like she used to work there yeah i don't know interesting yeah so i think he's Hmm. supposed to be david david copperfield okay (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I can see that. I, I, yeah, I was thinking like a Lance Burton, but that seemed like mm. a very old reference. Yeah. So <laughs> I went to Las Vegas when I was like, I want to say seven mm. or eight with my dad when they were going through their like Las Vegas is family friendly sort of spell. <laughs> um, which didn't last very long, but they tried. Um, and we went to go see Lance Burton perform and it was pretty cool. But I was also seven, so maybe it wasn't. I don't know. <laughs> I've, so, I mean, like, I like magic shows. They're fun. Yeah. Not a, not, yeah. I'm not dissing magic shows at all. No, no. Actually, that's one of my favorite things about this book is I was like, I kind of like the scene. Like, yeah. Like, it, it, was it wasn't cool really used to its full setting, extent, but. It was just yeah. people hooking up and. Mm-hmm. Which. which brings us to the entirety <laughs> of the first half of the book, which is a love triangle between <laughs> Scheherazade, Mac, Clark Kent, Clark Kent yeah. and some guy named Jackson. <laughs> 
who is so <laughs> so okay a little bit more backstory on miss miss serum yeah um, that we didn't get to because it wasn't really relevant to like the drama part um the bands that she used to manage included blues traveler who apparently really disliked her and talked shit about her on twitter after this book came out Mm-hmm. Uh, plain white tees who we'll get to and <laughs> I can't believe oh I didn't realize oh yeah she managed I them she just, too I, okay. she managed them too mm-hmm. oh wow and at the time that this was being written as a screenplay 100 Monkeys which is the band that uh, used to include Jackson Rathbone of Twilight fame um, and also Avatar mm-hmm. The Last Airbender uh, the really bad movie. But he's done some yeah. other stuff and apparently is fine as an actor. And he also uh, apparently hates her and talked Dang. shit about her on Twitter. Dang. Um, but also, supposedly, and I haven't been able to find like evidence to really corroborate this, but supposedly sometime during the writing of this, either um, when it was before it was a script or when she was turning it from a script to book, she published this on Wattpad. Um, So it was, it kind of has a fan fiction-y vibe to it. Um, And also originally (laughs) the band, the house band is a hundred monkeys. It's just, yeah. So it was Jackson Rathbone's band and supposedly um, actually, so I read a, a review from someone who got their hands on the script and in that, Jackson is not a love interest. He's just kind of like cameo there. But he does talk about how uh. hot he thinks Zeta is multiple times. Uh. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I don't think we've Golly. mentioned yet that Zayd physically looks exactly like Lanny Serum, like her description. Yeah. Or that on IMDb Pro, she was slated to, or she still is listed as playing Zayd. In the movie, yeah, the the movie movie that we have yet to see. The movie that will will come. You know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) It's supposed to start filming this year, supposedly. (laughs) Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah. Um. So, two love interests, Mac. He is (laughs) back on track (laughs) after that huge aside. (laughs) There's just a lot to get to. I want to make sure. I know. I know. I know. Mac is the technical director of the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he starts off hating her immensely. Yes. For no a, reason. A pretty good reason. No, well, no I mean, reason. She, he, his job is to make sure he knows the ins and outs of everyone's illusions. No, but he hates her before that. Oh, really? Yes. He's just immediately like, fuck you, tell me about your trick. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not going to. Yeah, and he's because like, well, it's fuck actually you. magic. <laughs> Yeah, so they they don't get along for but this 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 like hatred this burning passion hatred only lasts about ten pages, mm-hmm. um, and when he suddenly switches to being in love with her for no apparent reason, yeah, yep. Um, well, and then here's the other thing with this book, we keep getting these like sections that are in other I people's perspectives, oh but like <laughs> sometimes it's in first person for like two sentences. Like, she'll, yes. she'll be like, I noticed that Mac was saying this. And then it'll switch to, like, Mac's interiority. Mm. But it's all in italics. It's the, tense, the tenses in this and the point of views change so frequently. It was driving me crazy. It's insane. But so, like, Absolutely crazy. So, like, he, he pretty immediately is like, oh, I, 
I am secretly attracted to her, but I don't want to admit it because I don't date performers. Um, yes, because tragic backstory with a performer and cheated on him. Blah. A woman done <sighs> did him wrong. Yep. And so like in Arabian Nights, he went and killed every woman. <laughs> Metaphorically. <laughs> he slept with ever after. Metaphorically. <laughs> By just turning them down at the bar. Yes, yes. Uh, and then the other point on this triangle is Jackson, who we've mentioned is in the house band, which apparently was 100 Monkeys, um, but also on the side <laughs> plays in a band called the Plain White Tees. Which is also in the, the book. Is the house band. It's the house band is Plain White Tees. Oh, she just changed oh 100 gosh. Monkeys to Plain White Tees. I didn't realize tees. all the people in the Plain White Tees were yes. also in the show. Yes. Oh, my God. There, there were so many names thrown around in this book. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> um, so this show that is just this magic show just has the Plain White Tees playing as the house But band. no one knows who the Plain White right, Tees are right. in this universe. And can they I, were an indie band. This brings me to my one of my questions about this book, which is um, when does this take place? Because... Mm. If we accept that these are the plain white tees, Hey There Delilah came out in 2007. So, like, I mean, right. they formed before that, but, like, you know, big yeah, song. Yeah, that was their big hit. Everybody knew it. Later, 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 later in the book, they mention that they're going to uh, be fronting for Imagine Dragons, who mm-hmm. did not form until 2008. So, right. like... We're in this universe in which Imagine Dragons exists and is a big deal-ish. I but mean, like plain it, white tees does not exist. But like plain white tees don't exist. Um, it it's uh, the strange. It just gets being stranger because all of the plain white tees band members are in the band in the book and named with their real names, mm-hmm. and they play songs that, that the band that really the plays. Plain white tees that, songs. Yes, so it. What? What is this? I don't know. So it's like the plain white tees, but then plus Jackson Rathbone is the lead singer. <laughs> and like the guitarist and occasionally does drums and piano and everything else. <sighs> Which apparently makes him super swoon worthy. I know. Like just so, so hot. Just <sighs> so. Like he doesn't do anything in this book. I was so confused. He doesn't. Like, he disappears for like, the second half of the book. It's about a love triangle. And I'm like, is it though? Because he's. It's not. Not in it. Like, I was so confused. Yeah, it's, she's just like, she just likes the attention. She's just too selfish to let one of them go, Jackson, to be with Mac. Mm -hmm. Because she wants, it's the first time she's ever had attention from two men at once. She strings them along for months. doesn't make any sense because her magic is supposed to make men fall in love with her all the time. I don't understand. How have you not figured out how to deal with this? Maybe there were no men in Maybe. Centerville, Tennessee, Maybe. which is why she had to leave to find a mate. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, but she literally, like, she strings them along for months. Mm-hmm. Like, each chapter. It's like several weeks out, like, later. Weeks past. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's like six months at least that she's dating both of these men, and they're both totally okay with it. Also, on my point of when the fuck does this take place, um, at one point when they go to a movie, they go to see a ryan reynolds superhero movie and it was great fun um here's the thing though i think it was probably green lantern no (laughs) because she was writing this in 2011 Uh, that's not even the good ryan i'm pretty sure they went to go see green lantern on their date oh that's sad (laughs) 
Poor Zade going having to go on a crummy date with Jackson to go see Green Lantern. And if it wasn't Green Lantern, it is in my head. <laughs> but then he kissed her so hard her knee popped. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. Romance mm. movie style. Which is yeah. exactly what it says in the book. Yep, yeah. Which it was cute in Princess Diaries when that was a thing, but mm-hmm. isn't that Princess Diaries? Yes. Yes. But not not for like a twenty like a mid twenties. Well, she's 25. Yeah. Oh, so exactly mid-20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Which was also a big point of contention when this was, the whole drama was going on because people were like, it's not even YA, she's 25. Yeah. <laughs> she's an adult. Not even a new adult. Yeah. She's just a regular adult at that point. Yeah. Just like. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. And it's uh, the first half of this book, they just go on dates. And they and, go to the bar, and they go and out they, camping, and they go to the bar again. And, and they, they ride the motorcycles. And they and name drop about 800 different references, and then she explains the fucking references and, into oh the ground. Oh my god, it killed me. Oh, oh and then she ran. The, she, she, let me find the one that's like hysterical. It's just like... When she goes to the mall, to and she runs into Carrot Top and Wayne Newton, that one... And where she, like, hugs them like they're best friends. Actually, hold on. Can we, um, I took the liberty of typing that scene out as if it was a script to see how this would play as a Amazing. movie. So you were really you... doing everything you could to not finish this book, weren't you? <laughs> would you like to, uh, do a dramatic reading yes, of this? Yes, of course. Um, great. Can I be Carrot Top? Um, yeah, we're gonna need, we're gonna need a Carrot Top, a Zade. Uh, a direction, someone reading the directions, and then a Wayne Newton. So which two would you like to be? I would like to be Carrot Top and Wayne Newton. Okay, great. <laughs> I will be Zade and the person reading the directions. Let okay, me... Let me... I sent it to you in our Excellent. Skype. <laughs> All right, ready? This is, this is a scene from the upcoming hit movie, Handbook for Mortals. Carrot Top and Wayne Newton approach. Still chuckling. <laughs> hey, guys. I have to say, you two are the last people I would think I'd see walking through a mall together. <laughs> we had to do a charity event here today. Shrugs. I'm shrugging. Can't say <laughs> we just finished. Pointing to himself. And now this is me as Carrot Top. That was Wayne Newton before. <laughs> We just had someone come up to Wayne and ask him when he started dating Reba McIntyre. <laughs> you guys coming to the premiere in a few weeks? This is me as Wayne again. <laughs> Wouldn't miss it. Besides, you know Scott will show up anywhere with a red carpet. Rolls eyes. Including the opening of an envelope. Scott? Wayne gestures with his thumb toward Carrot Top. And this is me as Carrot Top. <laughs> My mom didn't name me Carrot Top, you know. Got it. Scott. Real name. Okay. Tries not to blush. So, Scott, congrats on winning Comedian of the Decade. That's a big deal. Thanks. Come by the Luxor and see me sometime. I will. Well, it was great seeing you both. Later, Zade gives them both a quick hug and walks away. At no point earlier in this novel was it like alluded to that she knows Carrot Top and Wayne Newton. Exactly. So why is she acting like she knows them? 
she doesn't even know Carrot Top well enough to know his name is Scott. Like, she's just like, this This man, he, he is Carrot Top. That is his name. And that's how I will Like, and she can't figure him. out from fucking context clues that Scott might be his Who's real Scott name. I, yeah. It's absurd. What is this? And what is the Comedian of the Decade Award? What is that that doesn't exist? <laughs> that's not a real thing. What is she yeah. talking about? And, like, I feel like if Karen Top were to win that, it wouldn't have been, like, this decade. Mm. It would probably have been, like, in the 90s, When he was popular. Maybe? Like, I mean, he's yeah, still doing fine. Like, like, no aughts. shade to Carrot Top. He's doing great. Oh, no, yeah. My dad loves to go see Carrot Top <laughs> in Las Vegas when they go. He thinks he's hilarious. Like, Oops. if you like... If Carrot you like Top didn't humorous. ask to be in this novel. Yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah, according to, if... actually, according to Lainey Sarum, he did. So. Oh. She, like, oh. knows, she she claims she knows Carrot Top in real life, and he wants to be in the movie. Well, cool. <laughs> Either way, Carrot Top did no wrong. Oh, gosh. Uh. Bless you, Carrot Top. <laughs> I feel like I don't know enough about Carrot Top, like, to be, like, real gung-ho Carrot Top in case, like, he ever said something, like problematic but like i don't know i just feel like i he, don't know if he did he didn't he's sign up like, for this <laughs> he's kind of like creepily buff i yes. think from yes yes from what i remember and he does a lot of like from all of his humor yeah i was gonna say he's really buff from picking up all of his props <laughs> uh, okay <yeah>. so <laughs> there's a lot of like and there's just a lot of those type like she references so much stuff. Like, in addition to all the references and stuff, she keeps, like, she's so fucking repetitive. I, there, okay, so there's this one quote. He started to think that perhaps he was wrong. She didn't seem to want a favor. She seemed to be hitting on him. And if that were the case, well, he'd rather she had needed a favor. He decided he would still hold out hope that maybe she was trying to butter him up for whatever favor she needed. The other option was that she was hitting on him. And he felt very uneasy about that being a possibility. Either way, he knew he should try hard not to upset her too much. He knew how difficult she could make his life if he was mean to her. He figured he'd let the conversation go just a bit longer and see if she did have some kind of request. Like... Literally, my note for that was um, the poison for Cusco. Because you know that scene? <laughs> I'm first new group where it's like, ah, yes, Cusco's poison, the poison for Cusco. Like, that's how yes, I felt reading yes. it. Except it wasn't done for humor. It was just like because it she was legitimate. Like, forgot what she had just said two seconds ago. I'm like, what is this? It's like she didn't proofread or go back or anything. She, she just, just like, as things came to her, she through. put them down. She was like, the paragraphs are so dense, mm, too. They're so, oh, it's ridiculous. It's a lot. Sorry, I just found another quote that's, like, super repetitive. Like, when they're camping. At that exact moment, I wished I had a guy. If I had been dating someone, anyone, then he would have also been sleeping in the tent with me and therefore helping me put it together. Not that I couldn't do it myself, but I like the idea of having someone to do things with. Things like this and other things. (laughs) (laughs) Things like this and And other other things. (laughs) What is happening? What is it? It's a New York Times bestseller. Just don't question it. It's so good. <laughs> things like this. And other, and other things. things. <laughs> oh. You know, that just really encompasses everything. Just, that you, you know. Did there are, it's just the things. There are the things like this, and then there are the things that are and not the other like this, and that's that are different. basically everything. And she would and love she, to have a guy there with her during she would them. Love it. Things. Not that she, she couldn't do things by herself, but like some things are better when there's a guy to thing with. 
Yeah. <laughs> I well, can't. Thing in. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. So, my face is so red right now because I'm so hot and uncomfortable with this book. <laughs> but but it gets even better. Don't worry. Mm. Don't worry. Because then we transition into the part of the book where things That's actually happen. Yeah. Yes. So this is literally halfway through the book. Mm-hmm. Like 52%, yes. I wanted to say. Zayd and Charles, her boss, have been working on an illusion mm-hmm. that is top secret and really cool. Um, like, they they made the cast members sign NDAs that, that were working on it so that, like, word wouldn't get out. Because they didn't even want any of the crew to know anything about Like, it was just very ridiculously secretive. Because... Her reasoning was that she didn't want anyone to know about it and to ask questions about it because then they would notice how impossible it was to do. Mm-hmm. Which, Which she says early in the book, um, like something like, oh, gosh, I just now realized how hard it was going to be to keep this magic a secret. Which at this point, A, it's not really clear that she has magic, and B, yeah. it, I thought that like this magic show was real magic. Like I thought that was the premise. I did too. Was that ev- like everybody knew about magic. But then she's like, oh, it's going to be real hard to keep this a secret if I'm openly doing it on a stage in front of people, which, like, duh. It would be like yeah. it would be like if um, in Jane Eyre, Mr. Rochester kept Bertha in a cage on the front lawn <laughs> and was like, God, I don't know why people, how people found out about my crazy wife. Weird. Yeah. Weird. Like, you keep that shit in the attic, Zaid. You keep it in the attic. <laughs> You don't do it on stage in front of people, you dummy. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and, like, no one was ever going to question, right. like... So her first trick that she auditions with... And the tricks themselves are, like, written in a way that you cannot understand no, what's actually happening. it's very confusing. So I think the first trick involved her diving, like, creating water on the ground and then diving into it and then everything disappearing and her reappearing somewhere else i think was the first and i think fire was involved at some point but i don't really know and i don't really care yeah i don't want to go back to find out no um but (laughs) this trick is insane this trick is impossible and did she not think that like the crew would be like hey we don't have a trap door there that goes to that (laughs) other location like she was (laughs) She's like, no, it's like, fine. These 200 crew members won't figure. It's fine. They're, they're stupid. All they're all so stupid dumb. Stupid idiots. Yes, real life. None of them should be doing. They're, they're just not. And none of them are functioning adults. <laughs> um, so the night they premiered The Illusion, <laughs> Mac is like creeping around near the offices and he overhears. Zayd and Charles say they love each other, and Zayd leans in to give him a kiss. This was the moment that I I laughed and cried and couldn't (laughs) continue for five minutes. So physically couldn't continue. (laughs) So Mac sees Zayd lean in to give Charles a kiss, and then turns around in a fury. Like, he doesn't want to see what happens next. So he doesn't realize that Zayd gives him a kiss, like, gives Charles a kiss on the cheek as opposed to, like, full-on mm-hmm. making out with tongue, which is what Max literally in the text says he thinks happens. He thinks they made out with tongue. <laughs> as, you know, any late 20s man right. says in Well, nobody talk because that was, she keeps describing all of the men in this novel as handsome. They're so handsome. And I'm like, 
What 25-year-old do you know that's going around like, man, all of these men are so handsome. So, oh, oh, Lord, they're handsome. they're so good looking and handsome. Like, please. Like, <laughs> no one says that. Like, no. No. What a handsome group. I walked in. That's like how you refer to a small child. Yes. I was like, this like, is how a grandmother refers to their, like, grandson. Yes. What a handsome man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, why nobody, like, hot, sexy, cute. Any, yeah. A snack. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I know that wasn't actually, like, really in the. Uh, I know, but. But how I good would that have been? How much I would have hated that term if that was how Zayd referred to everybody. Oh my else. god, it would be great. I would Snack. love it. So So Mac becomes completely enraged and makes a point to right before the show starts, walk up to Zayd and argue with her about this scene, um, accusing her of sleeping her way to the top, mm. refusing to listen to anything she has to say in regards to the situation, and then he leaves the theater to smoke. Zay does this entire illusion, but feels super ill during it and doesn't know why. It's later revealed that without telling Max, she anchored her magic to him for this trick. And when he left the building, she lost the connection or something. (laughs) And the magic went haywire and practically almost killed her. Yes. She, like, went into a coma and was apparently bleeding from every orifice. And it was very dramatic. I'm sure it would have been a great scene in the movie. It'll, it's going to be great. It's I gonna, can't I wait. Cannot, I think it's going to be my favorite. I cannot, can we just real quick also just describe, because I'm really looking forward to seeing how they pull off this magic trick in the movie as well. Oh my um, gosh, yes. So it's, it's called creation. <laughs> and and it's either the first thing in the show and also the only thing in the show or and the last, the thing. last thing in the show. <laughs> We don't know. We don't know. Because the show the show is ambiguously long. <laughs> I, the, from, from my memory, because I'm not going to go back and look. I don't want to <laughs> open this book again. From my memory, it starts with Zayd sitting in a pool of water mm-hmm. and a wave, and she's wearing a cloak, mm-hmm. and well, wave she gets, overcomes Well, she gets lowered her. down from the ceiling first. Oh, right. Yes. And it's a heavy velvet coat, cloak, so it doesn't So it flutters flutter only a little. Much. Yes, which she was very specific, specific in telling us. Only flutters a little. She the, There's the waves in the pool, and one overtakes her, and the only thing left behind is the cloak. Mm-hmm. She's gone. I, they don't say where she went. I think it was implied that, like, in my mind, her body just, like, split into a bunch of tiny atoms. Oh, I just and she thought was just she like, was invisible. That could also be... <laughs> And, like, it was never explained. No one knows. They, yeah, Zay didn't bother to tell us what went on with her body, other than to say she was gone. So then the, the waves become a thunderstorm, and then all of a sudden there's, like, sand on the ground, and the lightning strikes the sand and creates a glass statue of her. Which was Charles. He, he really wanted that part of the trick. He thought it would be yeah. really cool. But Zay thought it would be creepy, but she loved it in anyway. And then a tree appears, and a teenaged boy (laughs) comes out of the tree and chops it down. It's an apple. Also, it's an apple tree. It's an apple tree. They throw the apples out into the audience. And and they show them that they're real, and they should eat the apples. We should also mention that Charles is narrating this whole thing, and um, her kind of rival who is Sophia, who is dating Charles, um, but is her age, is singing beautifully while the the plain white tees. (laughs) (laughs) 
much more stupid when you say it's the plain white tees. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, my God. So he throws the apples out of the crowd and then chops down the tree, which turns into a wardrobe, a la the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Which I have something to say about her obsession with C.S. Lewis in a minute, but we will get to that in a minute because... Oh, did she reference him more than um, this one time? It was one of her... Okay, we'll talk about it right now. It was okay. her... Uh, <laughs> she has four epigraphs at the beginning of the book, and one of them is quoted C.S. Lewis, uh-huh. except C.S. Lewis never said it. It was the tagline to the movie. Oh, my God. And then, later, she quotes uh, she quotes uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and she includes, like, the block parentheses to have, That's like, true. capital letters and stuff. So she's like real particular about the punctuation, but she me- she messes up the order of the words. Because <laughs> I went back and looked it up in Voyage of the Dawn Treader and the actual quote's wrong. Oh my God. So I don't know what her deal is with C.S. That's Lewis. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's very, apparently very like loose association. Yeah, she's like, I really like the movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> This wardrobe appears, and the teenage boy that appeared puts the statue of Zayd inside the wardrobe, mm-hmm. and then opens it, and uh, I don't remember what and happens. And she over this. she she comes out. She comes out. I think. Okay, and then oh yeah 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 she comes out they, and he yeah. and they yeah she pulls an apple out of her pocket and eats it, <laughs> and then eats it and then disappears again. Yes, and then and then it's time at for that point, She like starts bleeding. Yeah, it's time Everywhere. for Bows. So the so Charles comes out and is like, "Oh, I did so well. Oh, good job." Oh Kate. yeah, he disappeared too. She disappeared yeah. too. Um, so yeah. she's supposed to come out at the end, but she doesn't. Instead, she's in the back bleeding. Yeah, and somehow no one noticed that she wasn't like. They had two spotlights, one for Charles, and then one on just like an empty space where Zaid was supposed to be, and no one noticed that she didn't come out. They were like. Well, to be fair, yeah. nobody knew about the trick because she refused to, you know, share it with anyone. So how could they possibly know that that spotlight was supposed to be where she was? That it served a purpose yeah. at all. They just, they just like to shine spotlights <laughs> at doors. This is a very weird show. They're doing a lot of, like, avant-garde stuff with their spotlighting. You know, it's Vegas. Whatever happens. Vegas, Vegas baby. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so she goes to the hospital. bleeding. <laughs> She's, like, dead, essentially. Yeah. But, like, the doctor's like, we don't know what's wrong with her, and we only want to talk to family. And also, I wish Dr. House was real. Oh, yeah. LOL, guys. And and Max, like, has to explain to Charles, because Charles (laughs) doesn't understand pop culture, which, whatever. And, (laughs) And Max is like, well, I'm her friend that's a boy, maybe her boyfriend. And Charles is like, it's all right, son. I'm her dad. And Mac, like, doesn't, he's like, why did you, did you just lie and tell that guy you were her dad so that we could find out what was wrong with her? And he's like, no, I'm really her dad. Like, for real. And then he realizes he fucked up real big. So, (laughs) since the hospital can't take care of her, and it's obviously some sort of magically induced injury, they have to take Zaid, who is in a very critical condition, Onto Charles' private jet to fly to Tennessee so that Zaid's mother can fix her. Her her mom's name, I think, is Della. Yes, because uh, Charles' nickname for her was Deli, and it's funny because it's like deli sandwiches, <laughs> which they <laughs> it make, makes me think of sandwiches. They make that joke twice. <laughs> Guys, it's real original. <laughs> oh, and Jesus. like the twist that Charles 
was Zayd's dad. Was obvious. Was very obvious. Because at the beginning of the book, he's like, uh, Zayd won't tell anyone about her illusions except for me. And it's fine. And so she tells him. And we're like, well, obviously he knows about magic, so he must be her dad that's missing. Right. Like, whatever. So, you know. So we all knew this. That's why it was so stupid when Mac didn't realize <laughs> What happens next? Oh, oh. So th- oh, okay. So then they get to the house, and instead of like they lay, they just like throw Zayd in the bedroom, <laughs> and then they go and they spend like three hours telling Mac how. Well, because the how the spell to fix her has to be done at three a.m. So like, I mean, I guess they yes. had time to kill. <laughs> yeah. So so Della and Charles waste a shit ton of time telling Mac how they met, and which was that they were in a traveling circus when they were younger, and Della saw Charles's future. Which was he? Um, he slept with his assistant, who was in love with him, but he didn't love her. He just thought it was a casual thing. So when he kept sleeping with other women, his assistant went crazy and plotted to murder him by shooting him with real bullets in their trick that normally uses fake bullets. Yeah. So well, that was really. I'm glad important we had that story. whole story. Like that was that was great. Glad we included it. Like. Yeah, like literally, it had no purpose because what they were trying to tell Mac was that magic was real. Um, it's like just do a fucking do... Ma- like do a magic. Yeah, like, just show you... him a magic trick. Yeah. Why, are, why are you telling it? This doesn't prove anything. Like this just no. proves that he thinks magic is real. That 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 doesn't. Yeah, yeah. That offers no actual evidence. It's like if I was like, oh hey, um, did you know that like there's a stegosaurus living at my apartment complex? And you were like, no, I don't think that's true because that doesn't make any like sense in the physical world that I uh-huh. know of. And I was like. Well, yeah, but, like, this one time, my landlord told me that that's the reason that there were no trees on the one side, because the stegosaurus had trampled them. <laughs> and, like, I expected you to believe that now there was a stegosaurus. And, like, oh, shit, like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah okay. I totally believe it Stegosaurus, now. right. Like, totally. Yeah, instead of just showing me a picture of the stegosaurus. Right. <laughs> so... <laughs> So this is really good logic, and <laughs> they use it to convince Mac he needs to do a magic in order to save Zade's life. And earlier in the book, it had been shown that Mac was like, I am a logical person, and I hate right. that people still believe in magic and tarot, and gross. I think it's stupid shit, and you should be smarter than that, and Zade then believe in tarot. And Zade's, like, crying, but, like, you're trying to hide it, and Mac's like, oh, did I offend you? Sorry. Let me kiss it away. And then they just, like, keep going on their date. So, Mac's a real good guy. Um, so, the magic he needs to do... <laughs> he has to stab her in heart. the heart with a thing that looks like a dagger but isn't. Which, again, yeah, it's, it's how it's explained in the it's book. It's one of literally. those things and other things. <laughs> it's like a thing and another thing. It's a thing that looks like a dagger but isn't. And then... And he has to do that at 3 a.m. with the waxing moon shining down on Zayd's body at the altar and chanting some words, which I Google translated them. Oh, I thought about doing that, but I was almost at the end and I wanted to get through. I wanted to be done forever. It was, they were Bosnian words from what Google told me. Google Translate. Huh. Um, That meant... With this dagger, pervaded by the magic of the old, and my true let love reversed the curse, I, the ironic spirit soul embody via Gardich Verdisi. I don't know. Clearly, there's a little bit lost in translation there. But yeah. I think you get the gist. It's like, let me, this, with this dagger, 
<laughs> because she said it was a it looked like a dagger but wasn't but then the ancient chanting was with this dagger let me let me stab <laughs> so it works Zade wakes up which it's, it's interesting that it's Bosnian though because it gets me to kind of one of the other issues with this book which is that it const well not constantly but a couple times uses a slur to refer to Romani people oh um because uh well the word that they that she uses multiple times is gypsy oh. which mm-hmm. many many people have written about that they don't want people to use that word mm-hmm. anymore and I assumed that she was just saying that, like, oh, her mom traveled around yeah. a lot because because she also refers to her dad as that at one point. But I don't know, like, because I, I know that there are, I think, Roma from, like, that lived in the in Bosnia, right? Like, I, yeah, probably, though. So I guess they are supposed to be actual, like, descendants of Romani. Um, but, yeah, so that, that still it was, like, Every time she said that, I my note was yikes. Like, because uh, I don't know. Like, maybe look that up. That like people don't. I mean, like yeah. I, I get if it's like a honest misunderstanding, but I don't know. It's like 2018, 2017 when this was published. Like, you have Google. Like, yeah, pay, you can. I don't know. Pay attention. Like, I just quickly googled um, using that word as a slur, and mm-hmm. there's a shit ton of articles. So. Yeah. Including a Wikipedia article. And generally it tends to be, generally like Romani people are the ones writing the articles being like, hey, don't say that. It's has a bad history and it has been used to persecute us a lot. Mm-hmm. And like, we're still getting persecuted a lot. And like a lot of us, you know, have died over this type of shit. So like maybe stop using that word. Um, and then generally it's like non-Romani people who are like it's fine uh, it doesn't even it just it just means Egyptian uh, but, which like that in itself is like a problem yeah, <laughs> yeah let me just diminutize your ethnicity right which actually I mean like they it, it's a Native American versus Indian versus like using the actual like you know term for whatever mm-hmm. nation they belong to sort of thing because Romani aren't Egyptian yeah. people like Europeans just thought they were <laughs> Because, like, uh, they're fucking stupid. Like, I don't know. Like, white people strike again. <laughs> right. Like, as a white. <laughs> fucking stupid, y'all. Disgraceful. <laughs> Pull it together. Like, Google something. What are you doing? So Zane wakes up. And so she was unconscious mm. for this last third of the book. Whole thing. Yes. And But it's told in first person. Because she is able to borrow everyone's memories of the events which is just, like, such a stupid, cheating mm-hmm. narration. Yes. Cheat. <laughs> and also wasn't done properly no. because she says that she borrowed her mom, her dad, and Max. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely parts of that narration that are from, like, the doctor's perspective and, like, the other crew members and stuff like that. I'm like, bitch, where'd you get their memories? Yeah. Where'd you get them? Yeah. What are you lying to us? This is bullshit. And then there was also, like, this creepy aspect of it where she, like, she asked to borrow their memories of the event. But then she like also went and peeped on other memories of her parents. Like she didn't she didn't um, take any of Max because he specifically asked her not to, but because her parents didn't specifically ask Except her to. The thing is, if she had 
ignored Max saying that and taken his memories, all of that italicized shit would have made sense. Because it would have just That's been... That's true. Her getting his memories, like, later. And I'd be like, oh, I was like, oh, okay, I'm on board. I'm, like, I'm not on board because this is fucking stupid. But, but it like, makes a little more sense. It made more sense. But then she's like, so I respected his wishes and did not get any memories aside from the ones that related to me being passed out. Yeah. I'm like, then what was the rest of this book? <laughs> what was it? More cheaty narration. Bullshit. Uh, and... That's it. She, like, makes a point to mention that, like, she borrowed other memories of her parents, but then she never says what they were. She's just like, that's yeah, some questions, or did. some answers to questions I'd always had. Like, tell us. Okay, I guess you're going to tell us everything about everything except for the one thing that is kind of mysterious. Whatever. Like, over-explain everything except this one interesting facet. Right. That's fine. That's, you know, setting it up for the sequel. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, Can't wait. So um, she sends me the memories. They stay in Tennessee for a month while she recuperates. Like everyone, Charles and Max stay. They all ignore the fact that they have a show to run and they all stay in Tennessee to recuperate. And when they go back, the cast and crew throw her a welcome home party. And uh, Zayd still can't commit to Mac, even though he saved her life and stayed with her for a month straight while she was being nursed back to health. And Jackson wasn't mentioned once at all in the entire last third of the book. Mm-hmm. And nope, she still wants to date both of them. That didn't mean anything to her. <laughs> and then we come to the last sentence of the book. Zayd and Mac are at Mac's place, I think, and they're in bed together. And I think it's implied that they're having sex. And the last mm-hmm. line of the which book, is that that's the most action we've gotten in this book, anyway. Oh my in god! In case you're wondering, yeah, um, it's not sexy. It is aggressively asexual yes like extremely like she went out of her way to scrub all which interestingly that review i read from the person who read the script Mm -hmm. if it is indeed like a legit script which it seems to be there were like full-on sex scenes in that and she's like naked through like a big percentage of the movie which is hysterical when you think that you know she was the one wrote it envisioned herself wanted to play that character (laughs) with jackson rathbone which also kind of gets to the point of like yeah, she definitely knew that this was going to be YA because why else would she change? Oh, why that? would she scrub that? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, I see you. <laughs> I see you, Sarah. <laughs> and the book ends with the perfect line, and they lived happily ever after. Ellipses, all capital letters, or, or do, do they? they? <laughs> Oh, that also, we, I, I feel we should mention that um, oh. this is the point where we finally get an explanation for the title. Oh, yeah. It's at the very, very end. Of Mac the is like, oh, there should be a book, a handbook for mortals, so I can keep up. Wink. And then LOL. they lived happily ever after, or do they? Or do they? Did you read the teaser for the second book? No. Oh, God, um, no I was... You should have, because there is... How did you have the strength for that? Hold How up. How did you have the Hold strength? Hold up. Listen, just, just let me, since you haven't experienced it, you can experience it along with our, our readers. Okay. You ready for this? Yes. So it's right after the wedding. The wedding of, of this, her parents. This man, well, this person who is being identified, okay, a, a handsome older man with beautiful eyes, suit he wore perfectly tailored. He was a magician if I had ever seen one. Zade, do you remember your great aunt Aldith? Hello, my dear. It's been quite a long time, and Aldous said, looking me over. My quote-unquote aunt. Yes, now I finally remembered. 
I had never quite understood why we called him my aunt. I once asked my mom, and she made it clear that he had always been a male. I guess as a child, he wore makeup and female clothing, uh, and so his nickname was a joke no. that stuck. I had always no. been deeply fascinated by him. Um, <laughs> first what? off, first off, just, just logistically, just logistically, that's implying that there was a small child who wore makeup and female clothing, and his family decided that, as a joke, they would nickname him Great Aunt. Like, what? Like, they didn't nickname him that. You call him Great Aunt Aldith because he's your mother's relative. Right. Like, number one. So even excluding the fact that that is hella fucking transphobic. That- like, fuck this book, man. Ugh, that's fuck this so book. uncomfortable. Oh, my God. Fuck this book. I'm I'm super glad. I'm super glad that I didn't read the preview for the next one. It's Just based on that, so which I can see now is within the uh, fourth paragraph. Yeah, like first yeah. bit. Yeah. So that's this book, guys. Check it out. It's due out in 2018, which is this year. So she's got it's she's not, got it's, like it's you know happening. five it's more months happening. to get it out there. Four yeah. more months. No, I've been. All through that bitch's Twitter. There's no way. <laughs> Is she still tweeting? Uh, yeah, yeah. And um, both her and Thomas Ian Nicholas, the actor who is attached to the project, not to play either of the love interests. And side note, really funny. Just so in case anyone is, like, you're being really unfair, you clearly only read bias sources. I listened to an hour-long podcast with this woman talking about the whole situation. Oh I have watched interviews with her. Like, I, I did... I gave her a fair shake to see if she was, you know. Actually being hoodwinked. I don't admire her. We're going to just leave it at that. (laughs) Oh, my God. But she and Thomas and Nicholas, the guy who is going to be supposedly playing one of the T's. Ted? Ted. Tab? Tab. Tad? Tim? Tim, Tom? Tom. Um, Anyway, one of the T's, the main one. Ted. No. Uh, It's... It's not it's Ted, Tad, though, is I think it? Tad, T-A-D. I think Tad. Tad, yes, because um, one of the guys, oh, let me check. One of the guys in uh, one of the other bands she managed is named Tad. Oh, my gosh. Like, Girl, there are other male names yeah. in the world. Yeah, yeah. The the guy from Blues Traveler is named Tad Kinchla. And, um, yeah, the so this guy is named Tad as well. Um, not clear if it's based on him or not. But um, so Thomas and Nicholas is supposed to be playing him. And like in this interview, she was like, well, you know, he's not playing one of the love interests. Just like I immediately thought of him as has as Tad. And like, he's just the type. He's just like he looks like him. And I'm like, this is kind of shady for this guy who seems to have bankrolled this entire <laughs> fucking thing. I mean, like, you know, he I, I don't know what to make of his involvement with this. Like if he's just been like weirdly conned into the situation or if he's just like yeah this is a good way to get a movie that i'm in i'm like there's there has to be better ways ask someone to make the next connecticut yankee movie i don't know (laughs) um oh we didn't even talk about the fact that the uh cover was stolen also yes yes i was gonna Mm -hmm. mention that but i didn't know if we wanted to get into to that but i guess there is like there's pretty solid proof that uh, i think we can i think we can safely say that um the cover is based off of another 
picture. Yes. And nobody asked that actor for, or that actor, that artist for permission to base this cover off of that picture before doing it. Yeah, so. like from what I read, the artist who did the cover of, of Handbook for Mortals was told to do an homage to and this to Jill, other artist. Jill something. Yes. Uh, it was like Jill with a like G, to, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Because I would like to give her proper credit since, you know, they certainly didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jill Del Mace. So Jill Del Mace. Jill Del Mace. Yes. So Jill Del Mace has this art that is basically a girl in the same exact pose wearing striped stockings and with, I think she even has like the bullseye and the knives stuck in the bullseye behind her. Yeah. So it's like basically the same Thing. It's called the knife thrower. Is the the title of the okay? Picture. Yeah. So look that up. That's basically now. Now imagine that picture, but with like someone in like Chuck Taylor's converse. Like the original is kind of like the original is kind of like carnival sort of yes. clothes. But then put and her the, in modern clothes, and then that's the cover for Handbook for Mortals. And so yeah. it wasn't so much an homage as like actually like lifting. a line drawing yeah. copy. Yeah. So I, I don't know how much that artist was, the 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 artist who did the handbook for Mortals cover. I don't know how much they mm-hmm. were told, told or how, how they yeah. like. I don't know the level of involvement there. If they really truly thought that they were just doing, like if what they thought they did was legit, I don't know. <laughs> well, they claimed that they were told that the artist would get credit, like mm. the original artist mm-hmm. would get credit like on the inside panel or whatever of the book it would be like art by whoever based on blah 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 by whoever mm-hmm. which even still like you should still i don't know like talk ask oh the yeah artist. 100%. i don't know like the, it's very very sketchy um but her line about the whole thing has been we did nothing legally wrong which like you can say that about a lot of things yeah, that doesn't make that it doesn't okay. make it okay <laughs> yeah so so anyway yep that was this book, guys. That was this book. Let's do our fucking segments real quick. Uh, Silver Lining. Silver Lining. It's over. Yes, it's over. Well, actually, I did have a real Silver Lining. I had one, too, yeah. actually. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed, as much as it was misplaced and... I think I think we might have the yeah, same Silver the Lining. Yeah, the story, Della, D- Della and Charles. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. That wasn't mine at no, all. No, oh, no, Go I ahead. really like Della and Charles' story of how they met, and I thought that would have made a much more interesting story than yeah. um, the one we were presented with. Yeah, because it had a plot. Yeah, it had a plot, and, and it was compelling, and I wanted to see more. Maybe not that. a full novel, but like a short story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe an episode of a TV show if she's still into writing yeah. screenplays. I don't know. Yeah, you know. Get on that. Do something with your life. Um, no, mine was going to be that uh, as much as it was misplaced and weird, I did enjoy the fact that the plain white tees were in this novel <laughs> because I hadn't really listened to them since high, high school, and I went back and listened to some of their music while I was reading this, and they've, they do have a few bops. So that was a fun uh, <laughs> Did you listen to the two back. songs that were referenced in the book? Stay yes. and what was the other one? <laughs> I don't remember, and I really can't don't, remember. I don't want to go back and look. Well, anyway, just listen to all of the discography, and it will be covered. So you know, yeah. you'll get you'll get the yeah. idea. Yeah, but yes, that was that was fun. <laughs> it was a fun excuse to listen to some music I haven't so listened to in a while. Thanks for that, Lannies. Um, how about did you relate to anyone? Yes, I did. Uh, oh. There is <laughs> there is a character in the book who is a younger um, member of the crew, and his name mm-hmm. is Riley, and. 
Oh, Riley. Riley. He just seemed like a sweet little boy. But his main thing was, everything is my fault. Why? And that's basically <laughs> me. It's like, it must be my fault in some way. I didn't try hard enough. Why? Yeah. <laughs> and everyone was really mean to him for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. I felt bad for Riley. He seemed like a good kid. Yeah. Poor Riley. Yeah. Trying to find mine because it was a one-off character, as they so often <laughs> Was it the lemonade girl? Close, close. We haven't really talked about the uh, instances where she works magic. Because they're terrible. They're terrible, and they're so clear. There's she's no, a bad person. There's she's no a magic psychopath. system whatsoever. She's just like no. it happened. I did it, and it happened. Like mm-hmm. I did it. It's done. Yeah. Everyone is trash except for me. All women are trash and so rude and mean. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another thing. I know I keep talking about the author. There is no death of the author with this one. Um, she, in a lot of her defenses, she's like, when has there been a female-led project like this? Like, I'm leading this. There might be a female director, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you know what? Actually, let me put a pin in that because it goes into my uh, rather be reading. So come back to okay. that. <laughs> my- <laughs> I still can't find this fucking note. I know I uh, highlighted it. Hold on. Well, essentially, there's there's a character. She goes to the mall. She goes to the mall a lot in this book. Guys. And she's, like, buying new clothes. And this girl comes up to her. And because she's a judgmental bitch who, like, has something to say about everyone, she's, like, she was weirdly chipper and, like, weirdly cheerful and, like, really helpful for some reason. And I'm, like, it's called working fucking retail, you dumb bitch. Like, leave her alone. She's just doing her She's job. She's doing her job. She's trying to help She's you. And commission. you still have some shit to say about Cons- it. Like, shut the fuck up. Ugh. Ugh. And then she ended up buying the dress the girl recommended anyway, so. Yeah. She did a good job. She did a good fucking job. She came in. She did her work. She was cheerful because she was trying to do her best to, like, not get fucking fired that day. Exactly. Like, and fucking Scheherazade had some <laughs> shit to say about it. It's like a beverage. It's like Gatorade. But Scheherazade. Yes. What flavor would that Scheherazade. be? Like Despair. Despair. Salty, bitter tears. Mm. <laughs> be, like, anchovy flavored mm. or something. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> when life give you, gives you Scheherazade, you make Scheherazade. Scheherazade. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Um, okay, so... Since I kind of started getting into it, my rather be reading for this week. Um, yes, okay, yes. so she has this whole thing about, like, in her defenses that, oh, when has there been a female-led project? Uh, not since, like, the Hunger Games, really. Um, and I'm like, that wasn't that long ago, number one. <laughs> but also, my rather be reading for this week was the book that she fucking kicked off the number one spot, The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, oh, yeah. which was a fucking female-led project by a new author who was her debut. So all the shit... That Lanny Sarum says about, oh, they just hate me because I'm a debut author and blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. Bullshit. (laughs) Bullshit. They hate you because your book sucks. This sucks. You're a bad writer. That's why they hate you. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. I'm going to go read Angie Thomas's book. Oh, I want to read that one, too. The fact that we read this before The Hate You Give is kind of sad. Right. Is is depressing and makes me question my life choices. (laughs) 
So what would you Did rather for be reading? The podcast. Um, Did it for the pod. I went a little more basic. I um, would rather be reading, because I read it a long time ago, and I've been wanting to reread it. I picked up a copy at a library book sale. It was actually a really nice copy of it. Uh, Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern. Mm, yeah, yeah. Morgenstern, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. I read it when it first came out, but I haven't read yep. it since. So I don't really remember what it's about, except for that it is... Um, revolves around a circus, a traveling circus, and there is a mm-hmm. competition of some sort between two different people, <laughs> a man and a woman who end up falling in love, but they, I think they, I wanted to say magi- magicians, but I don't, like, it's more technical It's than been that. a while since I've read it too, but yeah. I think. They might be magicians, but like, I think the way that the magic is in the book is it's, it's more technical, like more. You have to like plot it out and um, build yeah. build it from the ground up, kind of sort of magic system. Mm-hmm. But they make like these beautiful circus attractions, and they try to outdo yeah. the other. Um, and I think it doesn't really, from what I remember, it doesn't really have a lot of emphasis on that part of the plot. But just like the whole aspect of it being at a circus and stuff reminded me of this book, or I guess I should say yeah, that book reminded kind of me a, of that. You know what I mean? Sort of vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Except obviously a lot better done. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I would rather yeah. be. Yeah, doing. good one. That's a good. That's Yay. A good All right, so we're done with this fucking book. Would you say this is the worst book we've read for this podcast? Ugh. See, I don't. I, it's hard to compare this and Antigua because they were bad in such different ways. I but I think this vastly one, enjoyed Antigua. More yeah, I was gonna say I think this one is better because Antigua was hilariously bad, whereas. But here's Hibble the thing. This is this is better bad. in the sense that I know that this did actually go through some other people who edited mm. it and things like that, so there aren't quite as many like just glaring errors. Mm-hmm. In terms of an actual plot, I think Antigua had a better plot. <laughs> That's like, not, true. I mean, that is true. It made no sense, but there was at least like but there were talking gorillas, other things, and orange trees, yep. and yep. mermaids. <laughs> It was just more interesting. Like yes, even, you never knew where it, the book was going to end up next. Yeah, you really. So didn't. you know what? That's my other silver lining. This book made me am- appreciate Antigua. <laughs> Hashtag Antigua did nothing wrong. I don't know. Antigua did no wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh! So that's it for this fucking book. Uh, yes. Which means it is your turn yes. to issue a challenge to me, and I dread yes what may be coming up and. I wanted to be a little bit nicer um, in terms of, like, readability, <laughs> because this was such a uh-huh. slog. I was like, I can't do it. I, had, I have a good book that I've got waiting in the rafters, but, like, uh, I didn't want to have to go through two awful shitty books sure, in a row. Sure, So this one, I'm hoping, is, again, one that I will like and one you will hate. That's always the goal. Going with the goal, not just one that will both make us miserable. Um, I have chosen The Ruins <laughs> by Scott B. Smith. It is a horror is. novel, and it's actually on, oh, like, lists of, of scariest books ever. So I think it might actually be scary. We'll see. I'll go ahead and read the synopsis, though. Um, okay. Trapped in the Mexican jungle, a group of friends stumble upon a creeping horror unlike anything they could ever imagine. Two young couples are on a lazy Mexican vacation, sun-drenched days, drunken nights, making friends with fellow tourists. When the brother of one of those friends disappears, they decide to venture into the jungle to look for him. What started out as a fun day trip slowly spirals into a nightmare when they find an ancient ruin site and the terrifying presence that lurks there. 
It's also a movie. Um, I tend, I don't know. I, I accidentally, I think, pick books that have been turned into movies. I don't know. I mean, it's it gives us something to compare to. That's true. Need to be. I did see the movie when it first came out. I, this book was published in 2006, and I think the movie must have come out around, like, 2008, 2007, or, like, around there. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. Well, it doesn't sound bad. It just sounds like it might be actually scary, and I'm not a big fan of scary books. So. Yes. That should be interesting, but it will definitely, I can pretty much guarantee it'll be better than this show. Oh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. This, so, this guy's written multiple books before. This was not his first. Come on by in two weeks to uh, check that out. Yes, to see if I've managed to scare M into not mm-hmm. finishing a book. Yeah. <laughs> or if it really is terrible. We'll see. All right. Uh, that pretty much wraps us up for this fortnight. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, you guys can tweet at us, hate read, at HateReadCast on Twitter, or email us, HateReadCast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, if you've read this book and actually enjoyed it, I would really like to hear from you. Yeah. Because, like, no, no shade. I really want to know if anyone has read this and legitimately liked it. Yes, because for research. I just can't, like, I can't, find an example mm-hmm. of someone who seems to actually have liked it. Yeah, so you would like to fill in some of the gaps in the questions about whether or not these books were actually purchased at conventions or not. Yeah, like, did you... Oh, yeah, also, if you, like, got it from a convention, like, what was the deal? Like, Yeah, did how much did you pay it? for it? Was it, like, How much did you pay penny? for it? Did you pre-order it? Were you just, like, so into Thomas Ian Nicholas as a kid that, like, mm-hmm. you just had to come meet him because you, as a child... You know, your formative years, you had a crush on the main character from Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. Like, what was the what was the draw there? Please tell us. <laughs> As always, thanks to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check him out um, at his on his YouTube channel, which the link should be provided in our show notes. Mm-hmm. And follow us on whatever app you are listening to your podcast on and if you would be so kind as to rate and review us on itunes it would really help us out that would Um, be stella it helps us reach other people who might like to become a literary slummer yes we don't use that phrase very much on the the show itself we say it a lot on our twitter Uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel like we should we need to we need to make it more relevant we need to brand ourselves here (laughs) take that term back from from john steinbeck (laughs) And in the words of Lanny Sarum, Zade, hi, I'm Pete Trigger, but some people call me Trig. I'll answer to Pete or Trig, just not Mr. Trigger, because that's my dad, and it sounds like a dead horse. (laughs) Is he the one who also makes the joke about, um, the boy bands? Maybe. It's, um... I don't really know. Uh, the line to say hello to you after your performance resembled autograph signing by a boy band. I don't really know what the latest one is, but Backstreet, Five Directions, One Second of Winter, 98 Celsius, Oh City, Sync Boys, or Old Kids on a Curb, or something like that. It's like, that joke wasn't funny, no. and it also went on way too long. Yeah, I was like, did Zade really sit there and, like, did she laugh at each one? Like, uh-huh, did she have to uh-huh. pretend to laugh harder as it went uh-huh. on? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah You're five funny. directions. Uh-huh. You're funny. Old kids, old kids on a curb. Yeah, I get it because it's like new kids on the block. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, and sync boys. Yeah, I see what you did because earlier you just said Backstreet and you left off the boys and now you put it on NSYNC. Uh huh. Yeah, I get it. Mhm. Yeah. Do you want to fuck me yet? <laughs> How long had he been thinking of those that he could just like spit them out that quickly too?
It, it's his go-to joke. Yeah, he likes puns about boy bands. He just he just waits for people to like bring up boy bands, and he's like, oh, boy bands, I don't know what the latest one is, but uh, you know, <laughs> Oh City, Five Directions, One Second of Winter, you know, any of those. <laughs> boy bands, aren't they funny? LOL, LOL. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> 